and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. I am David Tuckman, joined by my partner in crime. It is the one only Phil Farber. You can follow us on Twitter at Tuck on Sports and at Phil's Facts. We talk hockey, mostly Islanders hockey here. And Phil, we're 2-0. and Are we feeling good? We're feeling as good as we can be, right? It's collecting point season. We're doing that. So... So far, so good. So far, so good for sure. Uh, and, and a big win. I mean, obviously, last night's when we are filming this on uh, October 18th. We played the uh, Coyotes last night. That's an expected win. I mean, they're coming off a of back-to-back. They're on the road. We're at home. That's two points you need. But that's not necessarily two points that this team would have gotten last year or the year before. Those are games we blow. But I do think opening night versus the Sabres, you know, when you talk about uh, the East and you talk about fighting for the playoffs and you talk about teams that are coming, a lot of the experts, you know, quote unquote, talk about the Buffalo Sabres being one of those teams that, you know, might be in the hunt for a playoff spot. So I think beating them and beating them in regulation is a big deal. Absolutely. And and to what you said earlier about that's a game you expect to win. There are a lot of games you expect to win early in the season you'll get some some funny results that might not necessarily match what your expectations are. You'll have the Ducks, for example, beating the Carolina Hurricanes in a game that they shouldn't win. You'll have the Coyotes going on the road in their opener and beating the, the New Jersey Devils. You'll have the Rangers losing a game that they dominated in Columbus, right? There are no free points in the NHL. There are no gimme wins. And to be able to not only beat the Coyotes, but beat them quite handedly, obviously the on the score sheet, it's just one nothing, which doesn't reflect the way the game was actually played with a 34 to 14 shot edge. But important wins to stack early in the season. You want to get as men as many of those in your pocket as you possibly can to create some room down the stretch. Yeah, and before the Coyotes went on a little bit of a flurry in the third period, I think the shots were 27 to seven. Yeah. I yep, mean, absolutely. it was just an absolute dominating game. I, I don't know what the the money puck. Uh, score was, and, and frankly, I think that site's bullshit anyway. But I, I, I mean, I from my perspective, from the eye test, it was like, okay, that game could have very easily been four um, one. I do think, and there was one point where uh, Butch mentioned it. I do think our forwards need to do a better job of getting in front of the goalie's face. There were too yes. many shots from the point where we just kind of we were on either post as opposed to being right in front of the goalie's face. Um, I also think our our defensemen need to do a better job of hitting the net. Um, it was yeah, the only one who was hitting the net last night really was Aho was hitting it consistently, but it looked like he was he wasn't shooting to hit the net. It looked like he was shooting for tips. And I remember the one you were talking about that Butch mentioned Holmstrom just kind of standing off to the side there a little bit. You know, you could see Aho kind of looking skyward as if he was looking for someone to kind of help him out over there. Uh, but they were getting, um, you know, they were getting pucks through. They just weren't getting those secondary scoring chances. And they weren't getting a lot of, you know, deflected shots on net. Right. I mean, Ajo's not going to score on that. You could even see the shot. It was, you know, it was a, a weak so little... 70 miles per hour, maybe. Right. It was, it, it was, it was the whole purpose of the shot was get it on net. I've got two players there, you know, yeah. get a stick on it. Make sure the goalie can't see it. Let's see what happens. Um, I, I do want to touch on Ajo for a second because I thought last night he looked absolutely electric. And uh, that'll bring us up to, you know, bring us into the whole Scott Mayfield conversation and, you know, I don't know if we know how long he's out for, how problematic that is, um, but we can talk about Bolduck replacing him. We can talk about Scott Mayfield. 
and, and of course, Sebastian Ajo, I thought, looked absolutely electric last night. Yeah, he looked great. Mayfield, I mean, the, the official prognosis is day-to-day, so we'll take their word for it. He took a slap shot off the outside of the foot late in the game against Buffalo. So hopefully he's not out too long, because as we saw last night, they really they really sheltered Bolduc a lot. I don't even know if he played, what, eight minutes, nine minutes, whatever it was. And there's a lot of special teams that, that ended up going on there with penalty kill and power play early on in the game, which might have affected the kind of rhythm you think you could get a player like that into. But Ajo, playing his weak side, definitely stepped up in a big way. He was creating chances in the offensive zone. He was breaking up rush chances on the other end of the ice, transporting the puck uh, really well, sprung Pajo for two-on-one, I think at one point during the second period, and uh, Pajo unfortunately was unable to connect with the pass. I think it was to Engball. But no, he he really stepped up in a situation where they, you know, anytime they're missing any of these defensemen, because we spoke about this, they're not particularly deep past the top six, right? The other five that are healthy in these situations really need to carry the load. And I thought everyone played well last night. Yeah, uh, Bolduc, by the way, played nine minutes and 19 seconds, got no special team time as, at all. Ajo played 16 minutes and 23 seconds. But, you know, the one thing I love about Ajo is every time he touches the puck, he has that ability to skate with it. He's got a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of that letty in him where, you know, he can get that puck over the red line. He can get it deep. Um, he doesn't need to make two passes to get the puck out of the zone. He can skate it out, which is which is valuable, and it's something we've missed for a while. Uh, Dobson, by the way, stepped up last night. You know, uh, yeah. I, I know we'll get into the whole Twitter thing, and you know he's claiming that his Twitter account was was hacked. Uh, maybe it's true. Nonetheless, though, he got off Twitter, which is probably not a bad idea for a professional athlete. Uh, but Noah Dobson played twenty four thirty eight last night, uh, and, and he killed some penalties. Uh, he had two forty four and shorthanded. I thought he looked really good. He looked really good. Yeah. I mean, he he's the guy who has to step up for Mayfield as the uh, the other right hander on the penalty kill. Right. Which is a, a role Mayfield usually assumes. Uh, they got a power play goal. Right. It was Horvat to, to Dobson and Dobson to Barzell and Barzell really didn't get a lot of that puck. And that's probably the reason why he scored. Right. If he got all of it, Vimelka's is probably in better position to make that save, but just knuckles over his shoulder. So good to see the power play connect on on one even even if it's a cheapy let's yeah, just but, say you yeah, know but let's let's be clear though um while that's a cheapy the fact of the matter is the power plays look good um i want to say they have five power play chances over two games now yeah they're 20 percent. it's looked okay i'd say i thought they've moved the puck well then we've had some opportunities uh you know brock nelson from bohorovat last night certainly could have been a goal yeah, that, he, that he shot. shot it to he shot it to mars <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what that was going but i've seen some opportunities we are getting the puck in their zone you know, we're moving the puck around. We're not holding the puck. The one thing that has been the problem, I think, in the past, uh, as good as Barzal is, I think he holds the puck too long on the power play. The power play is where you want to move the puck. You want to make them move. You want to find the open player. And I've always thought Barzal, as brilliant as he is, I, again, I, I am the president of the Matt Barzal fan, fan group. I, I My cat is named Barzal, Okay. But I think that Barzal has always been a problem on the power play, and I like what I've seen so far, their, their puck movement. Um, I, I feel like a little bit of confidence is back that was completely gone the last 20 games last year. Yeah, they um, and I think I said Horvat to Dobson on the power play. It was Horvat, it was Palmieri, Dobson, and then Barzal. Um, yeah, there was also one look where they kind of rotated a bit. They had Barzal shift over to the right side. They had Palmieri on the left dot, which is where like we that. like him. 
he had a wrist shot, which which almost leaked through. No one was there to to pick up the rebound there. That was kind of slowly going through the crease, and Arizona was able to clear. So a work in progress. Hopefully, they're able to get it to a point where they can maintain at least a 20% or better efficiency rate, because if they're able to do that, they'll have a lot of success this year overall. Yeah, I mean, over, I want to say they had two power play chances or three power, like two and a half power play chances versus Buffalo, and then the couple last night. And they've got over 10 shots already in the power play. So compared to what we saw last year, it at least looks competent, which is a huge plus uh, compared to what we saw. Uh, The penalty kill kill looks outstanding. I I noticed the guys are attacking the puck a lot more on that four minute penalty uh, penalty kill. Although there was a, you know, a missed backdoor chance by Kerfoot, but uh, they held him to zero shots on that four minute. I don't know what, how, how many shots Arizona generated on the other one. But I've noticed that the forwards are not just standing around and kind of shifting side to side and watching the puck and letting it come to them. They're really chasing and and bearing down and making the puck carriers have to be forced into quicker decisions, uh, which has not really led to a lot of chances against through these two games. Yeah, and they, and they look good versus Buffalo as well. And Buffalo's got a, a formidable power play. At least they've got the players that should make it a formidable power play. Um, and, and by the way, it's, it's I think it's it's encouraging to see their their penalty kill do well last night without Mayfield, who was a mainstay on it. Yeah, uh, which, sure. which is good. Uh, let's talk about Bolduc last night. You said he looked scared. I, I listen. I, I am Team Lou. Um, I don't think he makes zero mistakes. I don't think he's perfect, but I think this is a mistake. Um, to me, having Bolduc as your seven, and he's clearly the seven. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I. I think you're doing him a disservice. I think you're doing the organization a disservice. And you mentioned this. I, I don't know if it was on the podcast or you mentioned this on Twitter. You're talking about a guy who, you know, hasn't gotten a ton of time, um, certainly not a lot of minutes. And I think acquiring a seventh as a veteran, somebody who can just fill in and doesn't need that the game time, and sending Bolduc down to the A to get some first-line minutes and get some power play time would really do him a, a a lot of good, especially, I mean, you're talking about a kid who's 22 years old and, you know, if you believe in him at all, I think he needs the time down in the, down in the A. Yeah. And I think he would clear waivers. I know people are worried about that, but he's not, I, I, I think a lot of, you know, fans kind of in their mind think we've got this gem of a player over here and, and everyone wants him, which in reality, that's not the case. I think almost every team in the NHL probably has one or two Bulldog type players where, you know, interesting defenseman with some decent tools and might turn into something and they're worried about kind of developing their own projects. Yeah. No, no, I, no. I agree with you. I think, you know, it's, it's not a pressing issue today, but at some point during the course of the season, especially if more injuries start to pile up, you'll really see the, uh, the lack of defensive depth rear its ugly head. And I, I would want to see them go after some sort of, even if it's just a minor depth deal, like the Vancouver made with Pittsburgh yesterday where they picked up Mark Friedman, right? A, a more serviceable veteran who would be more trusted by the coach in, in this type of situation. I think it would do the team good. And then, of course, like you mentioned, do bold look good to be able to play and develop in in a top-minute role down in Bridgeport. Yeah, I'm just concerned that, I mean, is he really going to develop just getting practice time? Right. And, and practices during the season are, are very different than practices preseason. Um, so, 
Uh, let's talk about uh, coming up the penalty kill. Somebody that I saw kill penalties last night, and I thought did a really nice job was Simon Holmstrom. I know a lot of uh, a lot of Islander fans were really concerned. He's not a first line player. He shouldn't be a first line player. Uh, I, I'm curious what your take is. I will tell you that from my perspective, the first two games, he has looked brilliant. No, I mean, have they scored a goal? No. Has he gotten an assist? No. Um, but I feel like he's been tenacious. I feel like he's been responsible. I feel like from a skill and skating standpoint, he just looks like he belongs there. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you might question is his, his finishing ability in the hands, right? He had 100%. A, a, an opportunity in the slot to get one one home on an empty net and, and kind of shanked it and, and drew a penalty there with that slash. Well, I'm wondering if he shanked it or, I mean, it looks like he got a really good slash. I think he. I think it. Sh- it went off his stick before the slash came in by by about that much. Um, he had another good like rush opportunity with Barzell on a two on one where he started the rush, gave it to Barzell, and then Barzell dished it right back to him. And a really good hand eye coordination play didn't got, get a lot under it because it was a, a puck that he had to bat out of the air and Vimelka got over, but definitely a skill play. And there was one particular shift where his forechecking led to extended possession, a couple of opportunities, and you're seeing that. On the penalty kill, he's assumed the Zach Parise role. People were wondering who's going to be Paggio's partner on the penalty kill. It's Holmstrom. We we saw last year in limited opportunities that he was an effective penalty killer. He's got that range and size to him, which helps him break up passes, and he's got some decent speed. Something that I've noticed just from the forwards overall this year, and I think that you know, having Engvall and Holmstrom instead of Bailey and Beauvillier, just for defensive purposes, in terms of these guys committing to the back check, getting back, helping out the defense, and mitigating or eliminating odd man chances, that's something that's been prominent through these first two games. And that's an issue. That's an area where they had major issues with early last year. Yeah. I mean, the speed, the team speed overall. You know, the, I don't want every podcast to be a bash Josh Bailey, but it's just, you know, obviously that guy, he, he didn't have any speed late in his career. I mean, you could argue that that wasn't his game ever. Um, but this team's got some speed. And um, when uh, Julian, uh, Julian uh, Gauthier gets in the lineup, and he will at some point, um, maybe as early as this weekend when we have a back-to-back, um, I think that we'll see even more speed, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Engvall looks amazing. The second line looks fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Score every time they're out there. It just seems like they're generating chances. Yeah. They know where they... They know where each other are. They've got this chemistry as if they've been playing together for years. Yeah. I mean, I thought the first line looked great last night, too. Barzal, they did. Horvat. They, they actually just, did. They were actually buzzing. Um, if there's I a... thought the fourth line has been really good. Yeah, they have. I know it... they, they won the first game. I didn't think they were great the first game. Last night, I thought they were outstanding. I think that for the, you know, when they have all their juice, they can still play well. And that's the thing. I mean, if you are if you're if if you are the coaching staff for the New York Islanders, I think you've got to realize, okay, I've got Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin. They still have a little bit of something. Sezikis obviously is still there, um, but you've got to manage it. You can't expect them to go 78 games and then go another 20 in the playoffs. You've got to be smart with them. And the fact of the matter is, since we have depth at forward, then you've got to spot them. I mean, if I see Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck playing both of the back-to-back games this weekend. I'm going to be disappointed. I mean, we just have the depth there. Why not use it? And why not spell these players? Um, I mean, to me, if they both play 55 games this year, I'll be really, really happy. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Uh, let's talk about the, the one problem that uh, I, I thought was in first game, maybe a little bit better last night because uh, Pajot was much better, but the third line. I think the fourth line has been pretty good. I think the second line has been amazing. The first line is, is they're going to get their, they're going to get theirs. I think we know that. We saw Barzal was really good last night. I thought, um, 
By the way, I loved the Barzal play where on the power play, he just attacked the middle. He went. Yeah, didn't really have much to shoot at. But he didn't have, I, like I think he shot. There. He held on to it. He actually should have shot the puck a drop He held on sooner. a little bit too long, yeah. But I love the fact that he attacked, that he went yeah. down the middle. He went right down the throat uh, of that defense. Uh, and if that's a threat, then you've got to – you can't just peel off. Then it does give him some more passing options. But let's talk about the third line because I do think that – that is an issue, um, and I know a lot of fans are going to point to Anders Lee. I thought Anders Lee actually looked okay last night. I, I do think there's going to be a transition for Anders Lee. I'm curious of your take. Um, I think, you know, going from playing with Barzal and being expected to score 27, 30 goals a year and then playing a third-line role with Pajot and Fashing, it, it's a different role. And, you know, I give, I give Anders Lee credit for just, okay, I'll, I'll do this. This is what the team needs. I'll be the captain. Um but at the same time, it, it there is you know there's some growing pains here. Yeah, uh, I thought through the first five periods of the season that they, with the exception of Pajo last night, you know the first game I didn't think any of them were good at all. No, they weren't. Last night I thought that there were instances where Pajo kind of, you know, enters the zone and he just doesn't have help with him yet because everyone's kind of trailing the play and then he kind of gets stuck and and you know nothing materializes from it. Couple of nice plays though. Uh, there was one where Pajot on his offside kind of feathered a pass through to Lee. Lee to Fashing. They just didn't. Uh, they didn't finish the play. I thought in the third period they really picked it up. Um, they kind of had like what, what looked like playoff level intensity when you're trying to close out a one goal game. Yeah. And they were just absolutely demolishing them in the zone, and they weren't able to get out. It's early. I it wonder is. if if I wonder if it's just the right you know, the right mix, the right fit for all three. I think independently, each of them are are good players. You just wonder if as a three-man unit, that's something that's going to work long-term. So definitely open to seeing them give it more time. To me, the best thing for for Fashing would be to be kind of like a platoon fourth liner with Clutterbuck. I thought he played his best hockey last year when he played with Sezikis in various spots in the lineup just because they were so depleted last year. And I would want to see them inject Gautier's speed onto that line at some point to the, kind of counterbalance the lack of speed that Pajot has on his left side with Anders Lee. Here's the crazy thing. So last year, Pajot was so effective with Parisi. And the two of them, they're just fast, they're tenacious, uh, you know, very, very difficult to play against. And the funny thing was you could almost put anybody with them and it would be effective. If it was 100%. Pajot, Parisi, Wallstrom, it worked. If it was Pajot, Parisi, Fashing, it worked. Pajot, Parisi, Holmstrom, Pajot, it just Parisi, didn't, anyone. Right, yeah. and there, the, it wasn't a coincidence. You put those two, they're very easy to play with. They're very fast. They're very tenacious. You could put anybody with them. And I do think that Pajot, Pajot misses that speed. Um, and frankly, yeah, the third line has been a bit of an issue. Hudson Fashing, to me, looks invisible. Um, I thought I don't know if he's misplaced. Yeah, I don't know if he's yeah. I was gonna say I don't know if he's misplaced or if you know uh, it, the 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 dog in him isn't in there from last year. I think it still is. Maybe he'd be better on the fourth line, like you mentioned. He just doesn't. He doesn't look the same so far to me. Not yet. And again, it's early. But yeah, two games. I don't want to overreact. Two games. Two games is very early to make a judgment. I just I just think that you know, and the point you make to Parise is, is a very good point, right? That he was. He was doing most of that, you know, forechecking, puck retrieving, um, and kind of setting up plays for that line. Lee, I think, is trying to assume that role. He's a step or two slower than Parisi was, obviously. 
Um, you know, there was one play last night where it just kind of looked like he got stuck in the mud and couldn't move. Um, where, you know, he's in the middle of the ice and doesn't know which direction the puck's going to go and caught flat footed. So definitely adjustment for him. But I, I would ideally, if, if they're going to sit either of Clutterbuck or Martin on the back hand of this back to back, I'd want to slot fashing down to the fourth line and see if we could get Gautier in there. That would be, I, I actually tend to agree. I think that would be a really interesting thing. You know, if you give, if you put fashing on the fourth line, you give Kyle a day off one day, you give Matt Martin the day off the other day, and you put Gautier on the third line, suddenly Pajot's got speed to play with. Um, that, that, that could be uh, an interesting mix. Plus that third line becomes a real handful. I mean, you've got some size, you've got some strength on that line. Um, oh, but, definitely. But uh, Pajot was encouraging. I saw I had a t- uh, somebody tweeted out how uh, they were worried that Pajot, uh, to me, they got in this conversation. They were like, oh, well, there were rumors that Pajot was going to be traded and maybe he's upset and maybe that's not how he's playing well. And I was like, when first I was like, what rumors? Like nothing gets out. I'm like, I mean, Islander, fans, Islander players aren't going to care about that. I mean, when it was Josh Bailey and he was left unprotected, that was there was no rumors. He was left unprotected. Um but, yeah, I, I was really encouraged by Pajot last night. I wasn't worried, obviously, but I, I, I thought he looked uh, really good. Um, but I'm encouraged. I'm pretty excited. I mean, listen, we're 2-0. and uh, First time we've been 2-0 and in, what, eight years, nine years? It's, Something uh, like that. It, it, it's early. It, it, I know it doesn't mean a ton, but if you bank those points, it's, uh, you know, it, it puts you in a better position should an injury happen, should you get into a, a, a bad spot. Um, and I, I would like to think that it gives Lou – more incentive to go pick up that extra defenseman. Hopefully they keep it going. I mean, they're going to have a big test Friday night with the Devils. And then their first back-to-back with travel. They're going to have to fly up to Buffalo. So hopefully they can uh, pick up three or four points here on the weekend. I was going to say, what are their next three games? Devils, Buffalo, and then Colorado, right? I think it's Colorado back at home, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so three, I mean, three tough games just given the circumstances. Buffalo hasn't looked great, but I still think they're, they're you know, they're a decent team. I don't have them as a playoff team. Devils are obviously going to be there uh, this year. And then, yeah, I think, let's take a look here at the schedule. So they've got, yeah, Colorado Tuesday back at home. That's an 8 p.m. game for some reason. I don't know why. And then that Thursday against Ottawa, who's looked, who's looked pretty good. Ottawa's looked really good, actually. So... Four fairly. We talked about Ottawa. I mean, we talked about Ottawa. Here. They've got they've revamped their defense completely. Um, you know, they at least on the left side, they're really. They're solid. getting Josh Norris back now. They're getting Josh Norris back. They still don't have Shane Pinto. Um, no. You and I, by the way, talked talked about uh, Winnipeg and their issues. Uh, they had four thousand empty seats in Winnipeg. Oh, dude, and they're not playing well. No, and I don't think they're going to play. And they're well. giving up a lot of goals. That's they, not good. They lost, yeah. They lost to, and, and it's tough. They lost to the Kings and uh, Philippe Dubois last night. Pierre Luc Dubois, he had a goal. Pierre, right? Um, so that's uh, something. Uh, Buffalo, by the way, Zach Benson looks good. Yeah, no, he does. He does. They got their first win last night against Tampa. Tampa, who's looked very bad and who probably need a goalie. They definitely need a goalie. Uh, speaking of goalies, are you uh, are you at all concerned that Lane's going to just? play Sorokin 65 games this year? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, uh, opening night, of course, you're going to play Sorokin, and then they had, what, a, a three-day break? No, and then we got another three Until Tuesday, break. so, and, and I'd expect Sorokin will probably play against the Devils, too, and they'll give Varlamov his first start, so I think you're probably going to see, like, a 70-30 split, 65-35 type split. 
Um, I think there's like 14 back to back. So, you know, you go with 14 games right there and then you find Varlam of another eight to 10 games on top of that for like, you know, 22 to 25 games. I think that sounds about right. And then Sorokin takes 50, you know, 60 to, you know, 55 to 60 or whatever the math works out to. Uh, early on. But yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> Sorokin didn't even do much last night. That's that's about the easiest shutout you could ever get. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. I saw on Twitter a couple of people talking about like, oh, thank God we have Sorokin. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, did you watch the game? Yeah, a lot, a lot of goalies would win that one. <laughs> I would, a lot yeah. of goalies would have a shutout there. <laughs> yeah, that was a gimme shutout. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I, this is, we, can, we can wrap this one up pretty quick, but I am curious. Just uh, overall take. Anything that you're concerned about, anything that you're ridiculously happy about, just two games in? No, no, no real concerns. Uh, I think what I'm what I'm happiest about <laughs> is seeing them get back to to the structure that made them successful several years ago under Trots. And it's not like they're playing a bog you down, slog, greasy kind of game. Because they are opening things up. They are getting chances, right? They had 34 shots on net last night. They had 29 shots against Buffalo. So they are creating opportunities. I just think that the quickness and speed that they've added to the lineup allows them to be more dangerous while also not sacrificing on the back end. Uh, and that it's it's been a refreshing change from where we were two years ago, where we were hemmed in our own zone for minutes at a time with Zdeno Chara. And, and minutes at a time later on in that season with with a very burnt out and washed Andy Green. So I'm feeling positive. I, I am, you know, it's it's kind of reaffirmed my belief that, that they could be a, a top three finish in the Metro this season and looking forward to see it continue to play out. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for everybody joining us. Of course, you can follow, follow Phil on Twitter at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports. We're going to be doing this each and every week. It is The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. That's going to do it for us, Phil. Take care. Later, guys.